welcome to the program. Yes, if you're watching on Sportsnet Now or Sportsnet 360, Maddie Marchese let me out of my basement. <laughs> I've been in this. I've been in. The, I started in this. It's funny. I was laughing about this the other day. I started. I started in this industry in 1994 at the, I was five. the fan. Oh, don't do that to me. Oh, I I get that a lot with a lot of the younger broadcasters. I remember you when I was a kid. Oh, don't. Um, in 1994, and I've graduated now to broadcasting from my basement, which I love, by the way. Of course, it's uh, it's it's real. It's it's less complicated, and there's less driving, and you know you get a little bit older, and you just like to be you know lazy and hang around the house. Do you not find that you are so much less stressed not having to commute in? And I know I I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to make every, anybody feel bad for us here, but no, no, no. I find that there is just so much less stress in my life not having to drive down here. The only thing that I don't like, because I love being able to broadcast from home. I mean, I'm sure if you ask my wife, she'll tell you something completely different. Like get out of the house. No, she loves it when you're home. Oh, doesn't yeah, she? I'm sure she's thrilled. Yeah, mine too. The only thing that I don't like about it is I don't get a chance to see people. I don't get a chance to talk to people. This was the thing about. Oh, Jeff. about it's true. I'm, I'm not oh, saying, man. dude. I'm not talking about you. Trust <laughs> me. I get enough of you every day on the phone. Um, you just don't get a, you don't get don't get to see people. Enough. Yeah. Like I just had a conversation with Show Ellie. I haven't seen Show for how long? And I was on one of his programs last week. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing that you do miss. And I get that it's hard to create a, you know, one of the things about COVID and learning to broadcast from home, like we all are right now. The one drawback is it's really tough to make any type of, I guess, workplace culture when everybody's all in in different locations. So yeah. I get like pluses and minuses to all of it. Nonetheless, uh, I'm in today. If you're watching on Sportsnet 360 or Sportsnet now, um, and coming up on the program, Elliot stops by here in a couple of moments. That he always kicks off the program. Stephen Stamkos at the bottom, Tampa Bay Lightning captain, uh, most recently joined the 1,000 Point Club. Congratulations there! Uh, it's Wednesday, so that means Greg Wyshynski. One of the things we'll talk about with Wish, and maybe get Elliot's thoughts on this one as well, Maddie. Did you see New Jersey yesterday? Yeah, they're, and what they they're did good. with Chico Resch. Yes, I did. That was. <laughs> Very creative. That was awesome. It was pretty now, now, good. I, I can't tell whether it was uh, it was just great or it was great because I remember, like, that was a song that I used to listen to when I was in high school in the West End at Humberside. Yeah, it was it was very well done. I like the, the visual of it, for of sure. Of course. It was yeah, so great. well done. And I'm watching and I'm going, they're going to make Chico Rush a cartoon here, aren't they? So good. And then they did, and I was like, wow, oh, that's really cool. I know. That was one of the highlights from last night. One of the other big highlights from last night was Shane Wright. Scoring for the Seattle Kraken. Now, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Kraken at the end of the night. 4-2 was the final score. But did I mention Shane Wright finally scored in the NHL and got a little bit more playing time? Yeah, and uh, just happened to be against Montreal. So I saw the, the clip of him at the draft where he certainly says, well, can't wait to play those guys. Yep. And then he did. And it was just, you can't, you, can, you can't write scripts in sports, but that was as close as you can get to writing a script in sports. But when he got sent down to Coachella Valley of the American Hockey League, did you not say, like, okay, he's going to go down there, he's going to tear the league up like a bad report card, come back, he's going to play the one game before going to the World Juniors. And by the way, he's going to the World Juniors. Brant Clark's going to the World Juniors. Dylan Gunther uh, is going to go to the World Juniors as well. He's going to tear up the American Hockey League, and he's going to play that one game against Montreal. He's not going to get the Washington game after that. Nope but he's going to get the Montreal game. And you're right. Like, if you're going to write the script, he went down to the American Hockey League, uh, four goals in five games for Shane Wright. Already looks like, you don't want to say that a pro league is too easy, but Shane looked real good right mm -hmm. away in the American Hockey League and then comes up and scores that goal against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and so I, when I look at the Shane Wright situation and I think, okay, there's a very good chance, not maybe a very good chance, but there's a chance he goes back to junior there is. after this is done. 
And it just makes me believe that there needs to be a little bit of a tinkering to the rule about junior hockey players not being able to play in the AHL when they're still junior eligible. Mm. And my thing would be you are allowed yeah. one per organization. I think that's a good way to balance so, it. As as someone like I've followed and covered and enjoyed junior hockey my entire life, like I understand the idea of wanting to hang on to your best 19-year-olds. For sure. Yeah, like you've made, you know, a lot of investment in their career and all that. And and what it also, what it does is, you know, I would argue for those players that you want to make or carve out an exemption for, and we had this conversation around Taylor Hall too. Yes. Like he shouldn't go back to Windsor, but he can't go play in the American League, so he's going to have to stay in Edmonton. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, players like that benefited from having a league where there were elite level 19 year olds. So it did help their development. About the only one that I'll come back to on this one is, and this does relate to Shane Wright, and that's why it's a very unique situation. If you're going to carve out an exemption from the CHL-NHL deal, maybe it's only for players that have been granted exceptional status to get in because they got in one year early, Yeah. so you let them, and that would be, you know, Michael Misa now with Saginaw mm-hmm. and previously Shane Wright with the Kings and Frontenacs. They got in one season early, so maybe you allow them to leave to the American League one season early. And not think about that one. Yeah, I like that. That's good. And not that Connor Bedard is going to... He's going right to the NHL. But. <laughs> He's not, we're not going to have to worry about that. But I do agree with that. That's probably the best way to uh, to approach that. All right. All good. So coming up, Stephen Stamkos at the bottom of the hour. Greg Wyshynski in hour two. Let's get started here on the Merrick program. Thanks, Maddie. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A lot of good stuff from last night. Uh, I want to get into this uh, the the Matt Murray situation with the Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars as we bring aboard Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. How are you? I'm doing well, Merrick. How are you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing good. Hey, you know, Maddie and I were just throwing around. You know, Shane Wright for Seattle last night. He he scores against the Montreal Canadiens. You know, write the poem, uh, and there it is. By the way, just so if you're just joining us right now, Shane Wright is going. Uh, he is going to the World Juniors. Brant Clark will be going to the World Juniors. Dylan Gunther will be going to the World Juniors as well. I just want to get that uh, out of the way. All three of them going to play for Team Canada. Um, but we were talking about, you know, Maddie brought up the idea of, you know, redoing the CHL-NHL deal. We know that. We reported on Hockey Night a couple of weeks ago. That one's, yeah. that one's been extended. The one place where I can kind of see a carve-out, and this would relate to Shane Wright, and this would relate to a player like Michael Misa, who's now in, in Saginaw, Players that have exceptional status, so they get mm-hmm. into junior hockey one year one year early. Maybe they're allowed to be the uh, the carved out exemption, and they're allowed yeah. to, uh, to go to the American League one year early. Otherwise, yeah, I say I'll leave it like it, it is. It. No, I'm just asking your opinion on it. Like, do you, would you would you oh. be in favor of that? Yeah, I mean, of course. From a, from a purely developmental view, I would be in favor of that. Um, I just like, it just seems like we've been beating our head against the wall with this argument for, for how long? I mean, yeah. I think I've mentioned this before. I remember Don Maloney when, his, when he was the GM of the Coyotes, um, saying that, you know, Max Domi, you know, he, he's going to be sent back to the Ontario hockey league for the fourth year. Like, yeah. w- what are we doing here? And he didn't win it then. And, uh, from a development point of view, you're completely right, Jeff. I'm not going to argue with you. But it's a business too, yeah. and the Canadian Hockey League is still the biggest feeder league to the NHL, and yeah. they have a vested interest in keeping that to be the keeping that working. And one of the ways it works is your best players are there when they can be there. 
your best 19-year-olds because everyone develops from a uh, uh, an elite level of play in all three leagues. Um, okay, off of that page and off of that issue, uh, and yeah. I want to get to Dallas and I want to get to Matt Murray and I want to get to the Maple Leafs, et cetera, but sticking with Shane Wright quickly. Yeah. Do you have a thought on what we saw last night? And the, is, he made some interesting comments afterwards when he said, you know, I it helped me going down to the American League for those two weeks because the pace of play in the NHL wasn't as jarring, wasn't as shocking. He was able to keep up. And if you watch the game, like he got more ice time and was able to keep up and it didn't look like a, a really harsh adjustment. Do you have a thought as you know, Shane Wright is off to the World Juniors? Um, do you have a thought on what we saw last night from Shane Wright? Well, first and foremost, I think I'm very happy for him. It, it hasn't been an easy start to the season. It hasn't been an easy road the last uh, few weeks or, or even a few months, if you really think about it. Yeah. And, you know, all the, the kind of struggles he went through, dropping at the draft, uh, not playing a ton at the beginning of the uh, year, a moment like that makes everything worth it. It gives you a feeling that, uh, of reward and everybody needs reward from time to time and you and you get it and you feel a lot better about yourself um so i, I was very happy to see that um look uh, i i think this is the best thing for him that conditioning stint yeah. the world juniors and you know depending on how he plays at the world juniors i'd be very curious to see jeff what's the path after that yep does he go back to seattle or is he going to the Ontario Hockey League? I, and they still have a month to figure this out. Yep. But after the way that the last couple of weeks have gone with them, I kind of wonder, are they thinking about bringing him back? Mm-hmm. And, I, and to me, that's the most interesting thing. I think his play is going to dictate all of it. I, I really yeah, do. I, I agree. I, I think his play, this is, this is as, much a, um, as much as this is a tournament to win gold for Shane Wright, this is also, and it kind of feels this way, Elliot, an audition to go back to the NHL and not OHL Kingston. That's the way it feels oh, to I, me. I agree. I agree with you. I feel, I have to say, I feel for our podcast producer who told me last <laughs> night, the degenerate that he is, that he was looking on his... A gambling site for uh, a Shane Wright anytime goal, and it was not offered to him. Oh, he was so upset the about odds that. makers yes. knew something. The yes. odds makers knew something. Yes, absolutely. The fix was in, Jeff. Mm-hmm. The fix was in. Well, yes. Kyle Dubas clearly knew something uh, when he put together this net minding tandem in the off season. Ilya Samsonov, and for the purposes of this conversation, Matt Murray. With a 40-save performance last night, the Maple Leafs beat the Dallas Stars, and you know a lot of this was hyped around the Marner streak and Jason Robertson, his streak and his performance so far in the Hart Trophy conversation. Uh, the Dallas Stars, you know, one of the top teams, not just in the Central but in the entire NHL. And Matt Murray, and you know, if you if you follow Money Puck, and I know you do, um, goals saved above expected. You know, 5.979. As long as they've kept the stat, Elliot, that was the top game period your thoughts on matt murray i i think the, the I, it was just an impressive performance last night that you know there, there were no passengers yesterday i mean obviously there were some people who stood up um more than others but that was a great performance and you know the thing about murray was he he did what you absolutely need aside from the statistics that you just quoted they got off to a really slow start they yep. gave up what like a two-on-one and a three-on-one in the first period um, you know, Connor Timmons forgot how to tie a skate. I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, they, they gave up the power, the power play early. 
and he's, he kept them in it while they found their footing. And then those guys got going. Uh, I, I thought it was a great performance by, by, by him. I thought it was maybe the best game I've ever seen Rasmus Sandin play. Yeah. Um, and, and the big guys delivered. Like, it was just, it's a game where everything went the way you would hope for it to go. And, you know, I, I, I watched the end of that second period, that five-on-three penalty kill. Oh. And, and Craig Simpson pointed out, like, you're looking at your blue line, you already see who's out of the lineup. And then the other thing you're looking at is who's in the penalty box. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jordano's in the penalty box. I don't know what Justin Hall was thinking there. <laughs> yes, you do. He's in the Yes, you yeah, do, Elliot. <laughs> that's, that's right, because I did that once in, in minor in, in house league hockey. But I, I didn't like I, mine wasn't that bad. It was bad, but it wasn't that bad. But uh, you know, like you're, you, all of a sudden you're sitting there, and your only options to kill the penalty because Mate's out of the game yeah. are Lilligren, Sandine, and Timmins. And those two guys did an unbelievable job. I, I just think that. Like, there, there were no passengers in that game last night. It was a very, very impressive victory. You know, one of the things that, uh, that Matt Marchese reminded me about, speaking of, uh, of Timothy Liljegren, when the Maple Leafs and the Los Angeles Kings were making, you know, uh, were making their deal, that was, wasn't Liljegren the defenseman that Toronto wanted to offer, but L.A. Yes. wanted Sean Dersey? Yes, that's true. Uh, I reported that at the time that when that deal was being made, uh, Lilligren was potentially in the deal and the Kings uh, weren't as big fans. And you know what? The way Jersey's played, you can't really fault them yeah, for making that choice. But yes, that w- I did report that at the time and nobody disputed it. So Sandine and Lilligren, I want to get to, to Marner and I'm, I'm glad you already brought up Justin Hall because that was, that was just a weird one. Like everybody knows what the call is going to be. Everybody sees it. That's like puck over glass. Like the minute you're grabbing the puck and you're, you're throwing it, nobody can be surprised. Um, you know, Rasmus Sandine was Kyle Dubas's first draft pick. Yeah. Uh, up until then, the draft had been run by Mark Hunter. Timothy Lilligren would have been Mark Hunter's last draft pick um, in his capacity yep. as the, with, the, with, the, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, it's always better when you don't have to go shopping to fill holes. Um, the Leafs back end is well dinged up, as as we all know. Um, you kind of have to have the feeling here that the Maple Leafs have found something real special. And you're only starting to scratch the surface of it. And they're very cost-controlled at a very friendly team number as well. As much as we look at Mark Giordano and look at that contract and say, wow, talk about getting full value. The guy's playing like 22 minutes a night. And it's like he's 26 years old again. Leafs have found it here with Rasmus Sandin and, and Timothy Lilligren for each. Uh, oh, they they sure have. And and last night was was a big uh, part of it. Um, the, the one thing, and, and Amber tried to steer the uh, conversation there in the second intermission, but uh, he's a terrible host, so I wasn't having any of it. Uh, I just think it's it's a tough thing to. To, to talk about right now in terms of what they need on the blue line when, when we're still kind of figuring out how everything's going to play out here, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe, like, right now, their position definitely is they're going to add on the blue line first. But maybe that changes. Uh, I, I think that's, I mean, they have time to sort this out. Uh, I'm of the position that I think they need another left shot up front Um, scoring has hurt them or lack thereof has hurt them as much in the playoffs the past couple of years at certain times. Um, But 
I mean, who knows? Maybe this, maybe the last month, and it's been a run of very impressive performances, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Maybe the last month does change their thinking, but they have time to figure this out. You know, I do wonder, too, if this is all about the blue line or this is about Sheldon Keefe and the entire team and a new type of posture for the rest of the squad because you're looking at, you know, bodies getting thrown off the side here and it's plug and play, you know, in with Victor Mete before that, Jordy Ben, et cetera, and, you know, uh, Mac Hollowell, et cetera, and it doesn't seem to really affect that back end, which normally would tell you that maybe this isn't just all about the defense, but it's about the entire team and how they play now. I I think there's – look, I I think there's – People think of a defense as all about defensemen. I mean, I don't know if anybody actually thinks that anymore. No. It's a certainly antiquated way of thinking. Defense is the way your team plays. And the other thing, too, is the way you play defense in this league has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not like a chop down the opposing player league anymore. Yep. Um, those days were entertaining at times, Jeff, but they, <laughs> they, they no longer exist. And... Defense now is positioning. It's uh, having the puck as much as you can, and and defending, knowing how to angle, and and win your puck battles. That's mm-hmm. one thing that's never changed: is is can you win a puck battle? And like you know, Sandine last night, you know the the shift he scored, you know he knocked over Luke Lendenning, uh Twenty, what, 10, 15, 20 seconds before he scored? Yeah. Like, that's that's one thing that we always wondered. Can that guy do that? And he did it. And it's a step. Uh, it's a step. Um, quick thought on Mitch Marner now at 20 games, dancing again last night. So I uh, was funny this morning. I, I went out to grab a coffee, and, and somebody was asking me about Marner. And they go, how, how close is he to the record? And I said, you know the record's fifty-one, <laughs> and and the, and the guy behind the counter was like, "Oh, still a long way to go." And I was like, "Yeah." So, you know, I, it, it's a hugely impressive streak. It, it really yeah. is. And uh, but it just it just reminds you of how great Gretzky was, right? Yep. Yeah, no, that was uh, that's a different universe. That's a completely different conversation. Um, let me ask you about the New Jersey Devils. Uh, once again, sure. we spent a lot of time at the beginning of the season talking about the New Jersey Devils and you know Jesper Brad and Nico Heischer and Hughes, etc. Go right down the uh, the list. I was having a conversation with someone last night, uh, you know, back and forth on games and sticking with the Devils game. And this person asked me. Who do you think the best D pair is in the NHL? And my default is uh, Kale McCarr and Devontae's. And, you know, they get top opposition. They produce. Like, it, it's tough to argue against that. But the conversation turned to where do you think the conversation, the, uh, the, the combination of Dougie Hamilton and Jonas Siegenthaler is? Because by now, with this run, as much as we talk about the forwards and some, you know, some really good goaltending, we'll get to Vanacek in a second, that pair... That pair of Hamilton and Siegenthaler is outstanding and produced. And we saw it again last night with Hamilton, that beautiful. And you got to, first of all, you got a great pass, but that beautiful goal. Like Hamilton and Siegenthaler have to be considered amongst the tops by now, don't they? I, they're, they're playing great, but I, I still do think it's a little bit early. I don't, I don't say this often, Jeff, but you're right. Um, you know, the, 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 the Taze McCarr, group is the right answer that pair is the right answer that's the yep. that's the best defensive pair in the nhl 
Hamilton and Siegerthaler are trending up, but you know, really, we're talking. I mean, they, it's just it just needs to be longer. Mm-hmm. It needs to be playoff tested. Um, I just think it's too soon. They're, they're having a great season, but I want you know you want to see them what they do. In, <coughs> excuse me, what they do in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but they're definitely trending in the right direction. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of that Devils game last night. I was working Dallas, Toronto. But, you know, that one Jack Hughes shift where he had the puck Whoa. for like yeah. an hour and a half. And, <laughs> and by the way, I, I saw you retweeted it today, but that take on me thing with Chico Resch. So good. That thing so was good. fantastic. Okay, so you and I excellent. You and I are the same vintage, so we both remember watching this in high school, and this is an aha song, Take On Me. It came out in the mid-80s, the mid and it was one of the iconic, and there were some great videos in the 80s, but that may have been... You know, one of, if not the most iconic music video to come out of to come out of that decade. And I don't know who's responsible for it at the Devils. I don't know who the creative director is for that one. But he or she, I mean, take the rest of the week off, get a raise, <laughs> corner office, whatever you have to do to keep that person employed with the Devils. Like, every single bit of that, the casting, I mean, Chico is perfect. Danico's great in it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say other than, you know, give us more of that kind of stuff. That was fan- like, you remember when the Prudential Center first opened? So the Prudential Center first opened and the New Jersey Devils, I loved it. It was so funny. So they wanted to showcase all the different things you could do with the Prudential Center. And they did it in, in, uh, in the intermissions with Chico Resch. And they had a feature called, uh, what was it? Chico Eats. It was called mm-hmm. Chico Eats. And it was essentially Glenn Chico Resch, beloved A, netminder, B, broadcaster, with the New Jersey Devils going around all over the uh, all over the rink, um, to the different you know uh, food shops, I, I suppose, and having something different to eat. One day it was going to be a hot dog. The next day it was going to be fries. The next day it was going to be a gourmet hamburger or whatever. And I just loved it because Chico is perfect for it. He has that kind of personality, and I to me that was one of the greatest intermission features of all time. Very simple, very basic, perfect casting. Chico Resch. And then I saw this last night, and I'm like, oof, this might be better than Chico Eats. It was that good, Elliot. Oh, first of all, Sportsnet should do that with John Garrett. Secondly, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Family Guy did it, also did a takeoff of the AHA video, which was really good. Yep. Uh, this one, I just thought it was, uh, I thought it was excellent. It was very well done. Um, the, you know, there's two audiences you're doing this stuff for now. Number one is the audience at the rink, and yep. you can hear them. On, on the video that they put out, you can hear the audience singing to it. Yeah. So that's how you know you've got a winner. And then you're doing it for the viral audience, too. And, and that obviously worked uh, worked a great deal. It was, it was excellent. Really well done. Yeah, it was well done. And the uh, the New Jersey Devils, uh, well done. Again, they take care of the Chicago Blackhawks, 3 nothing. Dougie Hamilton, by the way, mentioned him a second ago. Uh, three points for the defenseman. Uh, Sidney Crosby, just another ho-hum day at the office. Uh, another two goals last night. He continues along and on pace for his seventh 100-point season for age. Like, I don't know how much... I kind of feel weird talking about Crosby because how much more can we say about Crosby other than who does he bump off of the Mount Rushmore of hockey at this point? But considering everything that we've said about Sidney Crosby and, you know, uh, how far along he is in his career and, you know, seeing the clubhouse from where he, where he skates, what more can you add about Sidney Crosby at this point, if anything? I was leading the league in five-on-five five points, I believe. Yeah, he is. 
you could, you could say that about him. Um, I, I just think it's just it, 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 it's just another reminder, first of all, of how great he is, but secondly, of how this league just swings from week to week. Uh, you were talking about the Blues yesterday. There were a couple of weeks ago that the Penguins yep. looked a bit like roadkill. Um, you, you have to like a month ago, two months ago. Uh, you know, we were firing everybody in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, this league changes quick. It changes really quick, and the the toughest thing I think to find is to be consistent. Is to be consistent, and that's why it's so impressive what the Bruins have done uh, mm. to start the year, or the Devils have done to start the year. Because I think that's the hardest thing in this league is to be consistently good. And, uh, you know, Crosby's always great. He's never the problem. Um, I, I think that Kapanen's revival has been uh, huge for them. Um, I think I told you, I think I mentioned it, that I heard rumors that he'd asked to be traded. And uh, he, they, those were denied. And as a matter of fact, I heard the Penguins actually said, nope, they still believe in him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's gotten off the mat a bit. But... I just think that's what Pittsburgh's thing is, was their depth. Uh, could they get something out of their third and fourth lines? And they started to do that because, you know, he's always going to be great. You know, one of the things that someone mentioned to me, I'm just remembering now, this is a number of years ago about Crosby, which is a, a wonderful compliment. Um, this person said to me, it doesn't matter what type of season, season uh, Sidney Crosby is having. He should always be in the conversation for the hearts. And I said, well, why is that? If he's having like a, a soft season by, by Hart Trophy standards, why should he be in the conversation? And this person said to me quite simply, um, by definition of most valuable, not necessarily most points, he said that Sidney Crosby sets a work rate with the Pittsburgh Penguins that is higher than most of, if not all, NHL teams. And if you don't try to at least approach it or try to match it or try to equal it, that you'll be embarrassed in that room. And that whole that whole timber and that pace and that tenor is all set by Sidney Crosby. He said, for that reason, when when someone new you know comes up from Wilkes-Barre or you know first round draft pick walks into the room, although they haven't had that in a number of years, they see Sidney Crosby working and they're like, oof! If I don't get my button gear, there's the best player in the game doing this. Like I remember talking to Colby Armstrong once, and he said. And he went up to Sydney the, the first time he saw him in the gym after a, after a practice, and he's like lifting heavy and working out. And Colby said, I went over to him and I said, like, is there a league higher than the NHL that you're trying to get into? Like, I thought the NHL was like the best league in the NHL in the, in the world. Uh, and here we are. It's like Crosby still thinks that there's a higher league that he's trying to get to. And I thought that was a really good compliment and man, a really good point too. Like that whole team, that the, the timber of it is all set by Sidney Crosby and you know, pretty much going back to his rookie season, you know, Fridge kind of always has been set by Crosby. I am I am not surprised that Colby would not be working at the same <laughs> high level. True. That's what I take out of this story you just told. Yep. Uh, look, like, that's what your leaders are supposed to do, right? Yeah. But, you know, like, the thing is, too, Jeff, is I've seen over the years, just because a leader leads that way doesn't mean everybody follows that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's... Like, I, like I've seen so many people just over the years, and I mean, I'm, a, I'm an old man now at 52, but I, I, I've seen so many people over the years that um, they're, they're surrounded by people who work really hard, and, and they don't. And, I, I like, it's, it sways a lot of people. I, I don't want to underplay that with Crosby because I think it absolutely does. Mm. But I'm always more surprised at the amount of people it doesn't sway. Like yeah. the amount of people who don't see that as, oh, uh, 
uh, I, I should, I, I, I don't need to do that, or that's just not me. And those are the tend to be a lot of the people who blame others or circumstances for their own disappointments. I'm, I'm constantly amazed by that. You know, um, there was a part of this conversation which really demonstrated how old we were, Elliot, and that is when we talked about the AHA video and the AHA Take On Me song, and we talked about it unironically because we were part <laughs> of it when it first came out. Uh, a couple of things before I let you go quickly here. Um, Stephen Stamkos coming up on the other side. Recently, nice. of course, joined the 1000 Point Club. Yeah, looking forward uh, to this conversation. When you talk about leaders around the NHL and setting a work rate and Listen, you mentioned on the podcast this week about how things weren't always eye-to-eye between him and the head coach, John Cooper, and relationships evolve, and, you know, the the tide is up and the tide is low when it comes to relationships. But do you have a, a quick thought on Stamkos before he, before he joins the broadcast here in a couple of moments? First of all, let me just say that in the least surprising news ever, I almost just got run over by my wife. Uh... <laughs> Deliberately? I don't think she saw me. She was coming out of the driveway. That was, don't walk between parked cars, people. Uh, well, look, like I, I, we talked about it a bit last week when he got his uh, uh, 1,000 point. I, I think Stamkos is a, is a huge success story. I, I, I really do. I, you, you take a look at all the things he's been through, uh, the injuries, um, the disappointments, um, and you look where he is. And like, like, like I think if, if Steven Stamkos... I think three years ago, as recently as three years ago, if you were going to write about his career, it would be, oh, man, I'm, I, I feel so bad for all the disappointment or the injury, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we never got a chance to see the full Stamkos, and it wasn't his fault. And now, whenever his career is over and he goes into the Hall of Fame, we're not going to think that. We're going to think about a guy who won two Stanley Cups. Yep. And we're going to think about a guy who... He played a thousand games. He's going to score five hundred goals. He's going to end up with over a thousand points. He's already over a thousand points. Yeah. Nobody's going to be talking about what could have been. Everybody's going to talk about what did happen. And uh, I just I think that's incredibly impressive. I really do. Impressive player. Uh, on that, we'll let you go uh, as you deke through traffic on your way home. On your daily walk, be safe out there, Elliot. Keep your head up, as I like to say, on the ice and apparently uh, around your driveway, too. Uh, you be good. We'll uh, we'll talk tomorrow, Fridge. Be good. All right. Take care. There he is. Elliot Friedman from uh, 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.